How many are glad to be in God's house this morning? Uh, if you have a Bible, um, wherever you get your scripture, will you turn with me to Matthew chapter 1? We're going to start at verse 18, starting a brand new series this week called The Inside Story. The Inside Story. So I want to dive into that passage. I want to thank um, Doug Lake, who's on our board of directors, for sharing last weekend. As I was out of town last weekend, I was watching in between services online while I was in Seattle. I was preaching there. They have multiple campuses and preached multiple services. And then on video, was preaching in other campuses all over and had a wonderful time with Brandon. My family, my beautiful wife, Devette's here today at this service. And uh, we were up with our families for Thanksgiving, and I hope that you had a wonderful holiday. I miss you when I'm gone, and it's so good to be home. I love every one of you. Some of you know I, some of you I know well, some of you I don't know that well. But there's a love that God has put in my heart for you. I know my wife feels it, and our family feels it, and our staff feels it. We love you so much. We pray for you often. So I decided since I'm back to attempt a little bit of Christmas humor today. And uh, last night, I decided, I asked the crowd, would it be okay if I tell a joke and then you guys vote on whether I should use it tomorrow or not? And they all voted that I should use this joke, but I have a feeling that it wasn't because they liked it, but they wanted to, you to share in their misery. So here we go. The pastor was doing the Christmas Eve service. After it was completed, he went to the back of the auditorium and happened to see Jack on his way out of the sanctuary. He saw Jack and pulled him aside and he said, Jack, it's good to see you. You know, you need to be in the Lord's army. Jack looked back at the pastor and said, well, pastor, I thought I was in the Lord's army. The pastor looked at him and said, well, if you're in the Lord's army, how come I only see you at Easter and Christmas? And then Jack looked at the pastor, had a little twinkle in his eye, winked. We work hard at those things, I want you to know. That's not easy to do. Wow, David, I'm impressed. <laughs> he winked and he looked at the pastor and he said, that's why I'm in the secret service. Okay. See, I told you that they were wanting you to share in their misery. I want you to stand to your feet. We're going to read Matthew chapter 1. Verse 18. <laughs> uh, that was incredible, David. We're going to have to try to pull that off next service. We're going to read the story of Christmas. In the next few weeks, we're going to read Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read Matthew chapter 2. So let's all read this passage together. This is after the genealogy that is given from all the way back to David and Abraham, all the way to Joseph, the father of Jesus, or the stepfather of Jesus. There's a different list that we find in the book of Luke, which gives us a chronology, a genealogy of that historical record from Adam all the way to Mary. Let's read together. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. We're talking about the story of Christmas now. This is the story. This is what Christmas is about. If you think it's about snowmen or you think it's about wonderful lives or BB guns, 
want you to know what we are reading right now is the real story, why we celebrate Christmas. Let's start it again. Ready? This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, but before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Close your eyes. Lord, we acknowledge that Christmas is about the arrival of the Messiah, the Son of God, through supernatural means, a virgin who becomes pregnant supernaturally by divine power of God. And I pray today that just as, God, you impregnated Mary so that the promise could come, I pray that our hearts would be ready to be impregnated with the Word of God that has promises available for us. So, Holy Spirit, we open our hearts, our minds to receive that impartation of your Word. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, David. I'm going to begin just quickly and tell the story. You know the story is that the world needed a Savior, and it had been prophetically told that God would send his son, the Messiah, into the world to save the world from their sin. And that would happen supernaturally. So Christmas is the story of how a a virgin woman who had not had intimacy with any man was impregnated through the power of the Spirit of God. God's son was put in her womb. And when he came, his name was to be Jesus, Emmanuel. It's God incarnate. In other words, what that means is that God was wrapping himself in human flesh. So think about this for a minute, that literally you could know on a personal level God. Do you realize that Christmas is about the fact that they were able to wrap their arms around God and hold him? That that they were able to hold his hand the hand of God as they walked on water. They were able to sit at a meal and share the cup and the plate like many dads do with their kids, right? How many times that? How many of you, when your kids are eating, you, you, you end up being the leftovers guy? And how many know as a dad, you don't have to ask permission? Sharing a meal with God. That God, the story of Christmas, became incarnate. He he left the glory of heaven. Jesus left the glory of heaven where there is no pain. There is no sorrow. Where all there is is beauty and joy and peace. To come to a world flawed into not even the, the most beautiful palace, but a simple manger. Why? So that he could not only save the world, but he could also understand what you and I experience in life. So he could know what it feels like to hurt. So he could know what it feels like to have pain, to have loss, to have sorrow. That is the story of Christmas. And in the midst of that, there are angels that sing, there are shepherds that, that declare that he's come, there are wise men, kings who show up and give him presents. There's so much to the story, and we're gonna look at the story, but how many know sometimes every story, there's a story inside the story? 
Sometimes there's a message inside the message. And what I want to do this Christmas is rather than just focusing on the story itself, I want to take that story and I want to show you some things that I think are hidden in the story that will help you and I. Because many times in Scripture we see this unveiling that continues to happen of how God, and I think one thing that we try to do at Higher Vision is help take God's Word and apply it practically in our lives so that we can walk out of this room and, and live it through the week. How many know what I'm talking about? So what I want to do is I want to tell you the inside story, the inside story. As I read through this passage and meditated on this, God began to download some thoughts and principles that I think are there that will help you and I in our journey with God. So you all with me? Say amen. amen. I want you to get your notes out. I want you to write down point number one. Now before you write down this first point, I want to continue reading the story. We read that the birth of Jesus was that Mary was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. Let's jump into verse 19. Matthew chapter 1, verse 19 says, Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man. Everybody say a good man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, that's a great important phrase, as he considered this. I want you to underline that as well, because we're going to spend a little time there. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, Joseph, son of David. That's another great phrase, son of David. The angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him, we sang this name, what? What's his name? For he will save his people from their sins. This is another a great line to underline. All of this occurred. All of this occurred. I'm going to go back to that in a minute. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Point number one. You ready? Write it down. Or if you have an incredible memory and never forget anything, you don't have to write it down. Just kidding. <laughs> Point number one, the inside story in the message of Christmas is it's a story of revelation and purpose. Now, I'll unpack this for you, but it's a story of revelation and purpose. What you may not know is that when Joseph and Mary were engaged, it wasn't like today where you just wear around a ring and everybody says, oh, you're engaged, what a beautiful ring, when are you guys getting married? It wasn't just a prequel to marriage. In the, the culture of the day, when you became engaged, you were actually getting legally married. And you spent sometimes up to a full year being married before you actually lived together and also before you had physical sexual relationships to consummate the marriage. It was a season of time where your fidelity could be tested, your integrity could be tested, and the only way to break an engagement was not to say, it's over. You had to legally get divorced. Now imagine with that context, Joseph... Have you ever woke up in the morning and said, what just happened? How in the world did my life end up like this? Why is everything 
falling apart. You know, there are people in this room, people watching online today, and here's where you are, just like Joseph. You're going through this season right now, and you know what's going on? You're going, man, what is going on in my life? How did this happen? Why is everything falling apart? I don't understand what is going on. This makes no sense. The Bible says that Joseph had decided to divorce her, but he hadn't made the final decision. And as he considered this, watch what happens. An angel shows up and reveals something to him. And here's what he reveals. He says, Joseph, here's what you need to know. Now, he tells him the details, but here's the big idea. The big idea is this, is that, listen, all this time, you thought you were just in the middle of hell. All this time, when all these problems are going on, and you thought I'd forgotten you. All this time, when you're thinking, what is going on? Here's what you need to know. God is up to something. And here's what you need to know. What he's up to is that he's going to use your trial to fulfill his greater purpose in your life. What did we read just a moment ago? All this occurred. What's all this? His fiance, he thinks, slept with somebody else. His fiance, he thinks, got pregnant by another man. In other words, the trials occurred and God used them. Man, that's awesome. You see, what God was doing was he was revealing, he was showing what he couldn't see. And I want to stop and say part of the inside story of Christmas is to let us know that even though Christ has come, and that's the big story, within the story there's a message. And the message in the story is this, is that for those of you who've been sitting in your sorrow, discouraged, you're down, you don't understand what's going on, maybe this Christmas season God wants to step into your manger, step into your world to let you know and reveal to you that maybe what you're going through isn't just that God's forgotten you, isn't just that the devil's after you, but maybe if you'll submit to God in this process, he's actually setting things up to fulfill a greater purpose in you and through you. Somebody say amen. That's a good word. I want you to turn with me in your Bible. I'm going to show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. We see the result of Christmas. Because here's the result of Christmas. Christ came as Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God with us. Now let me stop and say, is it really practical for Jesus in human form to be with you all the time? No. One of the reasons why Jesus came was to fulfill the, the will of God to come, take on human flesh, carry our sin as a perfect man, die for our sin for all the world, resurrect so that when he left... The other part of God, his twin brother, the Holy Spirit, or you know what I'm saying, the, the Trinity of God, the other part could then come and dwell with you, Emmanuel, God with us. Because here's the cool thing, you have Emmanuel in you. If you've received Christ, the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God is within you. Now, that means we're all carrying the baby. We're all carrying the presence. Now, look at the 
purpose or one of the purposes of the presence. This is the inside story. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 says, But it was to us that God, what's the next word? What's the next word? So, but it was to us, Paul is talking about, that God revealed these things by his spirit. God with us. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. And we have received God's spirit, not the world's spirit, so we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. Now, the context of this passage is Paul speaking to the Corinthians about the fact that the message of salvation, the plan of the gospel had been hidden, but now through the work of the Holy Spirit, it was revealed to them. In other words, the big idea is that the hidden things, the plans of God were being revealed by the Spirit of God to his people. The word revealed there, it says the Spirit has revealed to us, is a Greek word, and here's what it means. It means to take the cover off of. In other words, something that you can't see what's there because it's covered or it's hidden, revelation takes it off because I'm sure some of you are wondering what's underneath this right here. Now, I could take it off for you, but I'm not going to right now. So, The Bible says the Holy Spirit comes to reveal to us. What is he revealing? He's revealing God's purpose. You see, the inside story of the Christmas story is that Joseph saw everything going on in his life, but he couldn't really see what was really going on because he was all focused on himself and he was all focused on his problems. So God with us showed up so that he could unveil to him what Joseph's purpose was, what Mary's purpose was, what Jesus' purpose was. And let me tell you, the cool thing about Christmas is that is a picture for you and me because now we've received Emmanuel. The Spirit is within us. And when we're going through trials and troubles and we're sitting in a service like this and we're wondering, why is all this happening? Here's what happens. The Holy Spirit can awaken His power within us to take off the cover so that we can know that what we're going through, God's still has a purpose in all of it. Come on, amen. Good preaching, Pastor Jared. Amen. You, you didn't know that that's what Christmas was all about, did you? It's interesting because in this passage, it says, as he considered. Here's what's cool. Do you realize it was the revelation came as he considered? So what I want to do is I want to take a couple minutes before we give you the last point, and I want to talk about this, con- this concept of considering. The word consider there is a Greek word, and it means to think, to ponder. It's kind of like you, you really analyze, you really look at the situation. And so I want to give you a couple things to consider, because maybe you're here and, and you've got some trouble, or you've got some trials, or you've got some things going on in your life. And as you look at Christmas, you're like, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit is there to show me what I'm going through and why I'm going through it. And that maybe even God has something awesome, a purpose, a greater purpose than the fact I lost my job. God has a greater purpose than the fact that I'm having troubles with my child right now. God has a greater purpose in all of this. 
so let's consider some things. You ready? Here's the first thing to consider. Write this down. As he considered, what was he doing? Here's what I think he was doing. And I think it's what you and I should do. And that is consider your situation in the context of God's faithfulness. Consider your situation in the context of God's faithfulness. The angel shows up and basically that's what he says. He says, hey, Joseph, I know you think your life is over. I know you think you're going to start again. I know you think you've wasted the last 12 months and however long you, you dated and talked to Mary before that. But I want you to know something. In the context of what's going on in your life, God has a purpose and a plan, and he's faithful. He has faithful promises for you. So don't get caught up in the problem, but remember that this problem is just a small blip in the greater context of God's faithfulness, because I've got a plan, and I've been setting up this plan for centuries. I've been setting things up for a long time. Think about Joseph. Joseph got thrown into prison he could have said, ah, God's forgotten me. He could have focused on that. But if you really look at it, you realize that he went to prison, and in the prison there was a purpose because it was at the prison that he met the baker and the butler that put him in the house of Pharaoh so that he could then step into the leadership of Egypt. God has always got a purpose in our life. And when we're looking at the situation, we have to stop and consider it in the light of God's faithfulness. I want to read a scripture to you real quick. It's a cool scripture. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 5. James chapter 1, verse 2 says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, here's that word again, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Now, leave the verse up for a second. In other words, when you get in the middle of a trial, when something happens unexpectedly, instead of going, oh, woe is me, what's going on? Now, that's normal. It's human nature, and I'm not trying to beat you up if you've been there, because I've been there. Anybody been there? We've got some saints and perfect people in the room. It's awesome. Afterwards, we're going to have you come up and finish the message. Tell us the other side of the journey. I'd like to hear that. It says, when you face troubles, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that your faith is tested. Your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. In other words, let the trial still happen. Walk through the trial, the process, the tribulation, the trouble. As you do it, consider that this is, maybe there's something greater going on. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And then verse 5, which many of us know and have quoted, If you need wisdom, ask our God generously, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. So what is this saying? For me, it's saying, consider your trial in the context of God's faithfulness. Because when we discover God's faithfulness, here's what we discover. That God doesn't ever just let us wander, but that he has us on a journey. He has us through a, going through a process. In fact, let me just say, sometimes I think the only way that God can fulfill his purpose is to allow us to go through trouble. Because here's why. I want to give you a quote. You ready? Did you notice that this verse or this, this little passage talks about trouble, talks about considering things, looking at your situation, just like Joseph did. And at the end of it, it says, ask God. For wisdom, Kind of like that whole reveal to me, God, what's going on. Here's what you need to know. Ready? I want to quote something to you I thought of yesterday. 
you will only find an answer when you're forced to ask a question. You will only find an answer when you're forced to ask a question. There's a lot of people that have found answers, had received revelation. God has showed them things, but the only way they could have found it is if they were willing to go through the process of a problem or a trial where now they're forced to say, what, God, is going on? Let that sink in. You will only find an answer when you're forced to ask a question. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I've used this verse, and I want to touch on something quickly. It says this. Did I just whistle? I heard a little whistle in there. Romans chapter 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. It's a concept of consider, right? Then you will learn to know God's will for you when it's good and pleasing and perfect. Here's the first thing I want to point out, and I've used this before in the past. The word transform is where we get our word metamorphosis. When we think of a metamorphosis process, we think of the, the caterpillar turning into the butterfly, right? You all know that caterpillars, they all sing the same song. Every caterpillar is born with the same song upon their lips. They don't wake up and say, Mama. They say, I believe I can fly. It's what every caterpillar sings. It's what every caterpillar thinks. Because they know that they've been created for something more. But in order to get to the more, they have to go through a process. And in that process, they die. They have to work and try to get out of the cocoon. It's interesting because in this passage it says you're going to be transformed. In other words, God wants to metamorphose your life so that you can fulfill his purpose. But you've got to go through the metamorphosis. You've got to go through the trials. And you've got to go through the, what does the scripture say? That our faith is tested with fire. So we go through the processes so that we can then become and fulfill the God purposes in our life. Joseph could have never been um, the leader of Pharaoh's, uh, you know, uh, country doing all that he did if he hadn't gone through the preparation process. You know what the word no means in this verse? The word no, it says that you'll be transformed by the, and it goes on to say so that you can know the perfect will of God. It's kind of like this idea of revealing and knowing God's will. You know how we know? If the word know there is a Greek word which means to test, to prove, to examine to discern. Consider your situation in the context of God's faithfulness. In other words, unless you go through the process, your person you're engaged to getting pregnant, it's in the process that you learn how to know, see, receive, the revelation to fulfill your purpose. Some of you are here and you're going, but Pastor Jared, this is tough. This is hard. I feel kicked around. I feel knocked over. I'm struggling. 
I get you. You know, I, I ran across a story, and it's a story about zebra, uh, not zebras, but giraffes. You know, the animals with the long necks. Well, I, I read a, a thing by the, it's called View from the Zoo by Gary Richmond, and it tells basically this story that when a giraffe is born, a baby giraffe comes out, lands on the ground, and, you know, it's got that big long neck, and what it does is it rolls over where its feet are, and legs are underneath it. And when that happens, the mother does something very interesting. The mother comes near to the giraffe and kind of stands over the giraffe. And as the baby giraffe is laying there on the ground with its legs tucked in, it's trying to stand, the mom does something really, really interesting and unexpected. The mom rears back with one of its hooves and kicks the giraffe, baby giraffe as hard as it can and sends it sprawling head over heels. So we're like, I think my mom was a giraffe. <laughs> I think I'm a giraffe. And then what's interesting is the giraffe will walk over to the baby giraffe as it's kind of getting its bearings and then gets back in position again, stand over it again, and as it's trying to stand, rears back and kicks the giraffe again, sends it sprawling over. Finally, the baby giraffe will work really hard. It's got that big neck, that big body, works really hard and stands to its feet and it gets up on his feet. And then what's really crazy is the mom unexpectedly comes over to the giraffe instead of licking it on the face and going, great job, it rears back and kicks it off its feet. Why does it do that? Here's why. Because mama knows that if baby giraffe doesn't learn how to stand quickly, when the trials of wildlife, when the predators come and the herd moves on, if it can't stand on its own, it'll never survive. You see, what we need to learn from that idea is that when we consider our situation in the context of God's faithfulness, maybe God is allowing you to be kicked back and forth and knocked off your feet. Why? Because he's helping you to be positioned so that you can learn to arise, get up on your feet and fulfill the purpose to protect you for the things that would have normally knocked you down. And not only knocked back, when I heard this story, the song that went through my head was, I get knocked down, but I get up again. I remember that song, you're never going to keep me down. I get knocked down. Why am I doing this? I don't know. <laughs> Romans 8.28, we've heard it, I've preached it a multitude of times, simply says this, and we know that God causes everything. When our, our, our engaged, beautiful person that we're married to ends up making, a we think, a bad mistake or when someone does a bad deal for us in business and now we're struggling to, to work that through or, or, or when someone turns on us in our family. When everything happens in our life, it says that God knows that he causes everything 
great thing to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Here's what God wants to do at Christmas time. Here's the inside story that when you're reeling, when you're laying on the ground and you don't understand what's going on, that you'll turn your attention and begin to consider. And as you do, the Holy Spirit, God with us that's in you, will awaken your heart to know. And suddenly you won't even know it, but out of your lips will come, I get knocked down, but I get up again. Why? Because God has a purpose even in the midst of your process. Somebody say amen. And here's, here's the coolest part. I got to bring this to a close. Here's the coolest part. Here's what Christmas is about. It's about God stepping in into your life and unveiling, revealing. Somebody like that doesn't look that cool. <laughs> unveiling something. Here's ready. You ready? Good. For we know that all things work together for the, for the what? For the what? The good. Snickers. That's good. Snickers. York peppermint patties. That's good. Kisses. Go tell somebody, the pastor kissed me. No, no, don't tell him that. I'm joking. Kiss. A guy caught that. He's like, I'm not telling anybody. <laughs> the inside story. Nothing you go through in life with God is ever wasted. No trial, no problem, no hurt, no pain is ever wasted. God will use it, and he will, if you draw close to him, unveil to you that there is something good that he can do in and through you. Somebody say amen. 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 Let me tell you the last part of the Christmas story. I want the team to come. Well, actually, team, don't come. I lied. I have one more thing I got to get to quickly. So I got to go fast. You all with me? Say amen. So we got to consider, right, our situation in the light of God's faithfulness. Let me give you one more thing to consider. You ready? Here, this is important. I'm going to try to hit it fast. Consider your reaction in the light of God's principles. Consider your reaction in the light of God's principles. So here's the deal. Joseph, as you read the story, what does he do? He's like, I'm going to divorce her. But he's a good guy. So here's what he decides. He goes, no, you know what? I'm going to divorce her. But I'm not going to make a fool of her in front of everybody. This is out of character for Mary. I didn't think she would do this, but she did. But I love her. So I'm going to try to do the right thing. Let me stop and tell you, ask you a question. What would have happened to Joseph if he would have reacted? And he would have reacted quickly. Because here's what Joseph was doing. A good guy was getting ready, listen, a good guy was getting ready to do the wrong thing the right way. And how many times do you and I, we try to, you know, to shroud the wrong thing with the right way? Because we're ready to react quickly. Our situation and our trial, and we react quickly, and then when we act Quickly, we do the wrong thing the right way, but it's still the wrong thing. And what would have happened if Joseph would have done the wrong thing the right way? 
he would have never been able to steward and take care of and be a part of the greatest story ever told. He would have missed a God purpose in his life. And there's a lot of people who don't stop to consider. They're quick to react. What does the scripture say? Joseph, it says in James 1 verse verse 19, chapter 1 verse 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Context of the passage was talking about doing God's will, not being people of anger. But the big idea is simply this. Don't react so fast. One of the stories of Christmas that we see, the inside story, is that because Joseph considered his reaction in the light of God's principles, God was able to reveal to him the, not just the right way to do it, but the right thing to do. The inside story of Christmas is that you and I can fulfill God's purpose in our life, but how many times do we miss a greater purpose of God in our life? And the reason is because we react, and then we do the wrong thing the right way, and we never steward God's purpose that he planned and set up for us before we were even born. It's quiet in here. You know what I love is when the angel looks at Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, what is he saying? Joseph, I know that you're not getting Mary pregnant, but there's a lineage, there's a line. I set it up. You're part of the story, and you have a role to play in my purpose on earth. So don't miss your moment. Don't miss your role because you didn't stop to consider your reaction in the light of God's principles. And isn't the Christmas story filled with all kinds of good stuff? I mean, you're ready for the last point. Worship team, you can come now. I got to get this done. Let's read the last part of Matthew. I can't wait to get to next week. Next week, you got to come back. Because next week, we're going to talk about a part of the Christmas story and a practical thing in our lives that's just awesome. Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, it ends this way. It says, when Joseph woke up, he did as the Lord, angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. Let me stop right there. We're going to spend some time next week. We're going to review that one phrase because you're going to see in Matthew chapter 2 that, that Joseph learned how to react in godly ways. And I'll show you that later. But it says that he woke up and he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife. Now this is the part of the story I want to end with because this is intriguing. Maybe you've never thought of it. Look at what it says. But he did not, so he took Mary as his wife, because that's what the angel told him. Hey, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Take her as your wife, and you're going to name the child Jesus. But this part of the story, the angel didn't tell him. Didn't say anything specifically about. But he did not have sexual relationships or relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. I'm going to give you the last point, and I'm going to explain. The story of Christmas is a story of revelation, and purpose, it's also, you ready? It's a story of surrender. Joseph, if you ask yourself the question, why did he not have sex with her? I mean, when he finally got done with the engagement, we know that people that are pregnant can still have intimacy, right? Why did Joseph choose 
to withhold something he desired and he wanted. He'd been waiting 12 months already. Here's why I think. Because when it comes to the purposes of God, I don't want my personal situation and desires to move ahead of God's bigger plan. I'll give you two reasons why I think maybe he didn't do it. Maybe, number one, he wanted to make sure that God got all the credit and all the glory. Because had he slept with her, there could have been, well, you know, was it Joseph's baby or was this really God's baby? You know, you don't know. This was back before DNA testing, you know, back knowing the exact time and and all of that. So he decided, maybe, this is what I think, he decided I'm going to step back and make sure that I don't do anything in my strength. I don't let any of my desires and my wants slip into the process so that I end up taking some of the glory away from what God's doing. How many times do we try to work it? Do we try to make it happen? Do we let our desires and our wants cause us to step in and do things in our strength? And then we end up robbing God of the glory of the amazing process and plan he has. You know the other thing I think he was doing? I think he was saying, I not only want to not take any credit, but give all the glory to God. Secondly, I want to protect the birthing process. Now, we know that you can have intimacy and not cause a complication in a pregnancy, but what if having intimacy did trigger a problem and there was an abortion or there was a natural abortion? In other words, I want to make sure that my desires are not contaminating God's birthing process of his will and purpose in my life. So I'm going to take my hands off. The inside story of Christmas, what is this surrender thing? If I were to say it in one phrase, it's simply this. Don't put your desires before God's purpose. That's why the scripture says in Matthew 6.33, it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The problem is a lot of times, maybe we contaminate. Maybe we we convolute God's process and purpose in our life. And here's why. It's because we try to start doing things that we want and desire. Instead of seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, we start focusing on all these things. One of the beauties of the story of Christmas The inside story is that we see modeled to us a man who said, I'm going to take my hands off. I'm not going to do it in my strength. I'm not going to try to make it happen. But I'm going to protect this process. And I'm going to make sure that my wants and desires and passions don't move ahead of God's purpose and plan in this situation. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.